0: What most people I think don't talk about is this underestimation of how truly difficult it is to surrender because it, what I have found for myself is that it puts me into contact with powerlessness. And mm-hmm. as a man, one of the most challenging ex- things for us to experience is to be in a position of powerlessness where, yeah, we, where we're we not in control, yeah. you know, And but I've found that that has been really the true test of... The men that I've known, the men that I respect and admire and want to spend time with is who they are when they're powerless.
1: Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves, Brian with a y, Reeves. Men this way. What is men's work really? And why do men often resist it? And what happens for men in the world of men's work? Well, in this episode, my guest Connor Beaton, the creator of the renowned organization Man Talks, and I Connor and I, let's say it that way, we mine these questions and more for useful insights to make a meaningful difference in your life. I love my conversations with Connor. We're like two personal growth geeks geeking out over our lessons learned, our painful experiences, both personal and professional, and the hard-earned insights and wisdoms we've discovered as men walking our own transformational journeys and as men now serving many other men and women who are walking theirs. I've had Connor on the podcast before, years ago, and as he's just come out with a book, which I think will be a great resource to many men considering stepping into men's work, I wanted to bring him on to talk more specifically about his book and about men's work. Connor Beaton, as I said earlier, is the founder of Man Talks, an international organization dedicated to the personal and professional growth of men. He is an entrepreneur, writer, keynote speaker, and facilitator dedicated to building better men. In our conversation today, we talk about what is men's work, why do men resist it, why many men think inner work means shutting everything down inside. We talk about what often happens to for men when they start doing men's work, and why men need to face their darkness, and why we all inevitably feel called to. We talk about all that and more. But before we dive in, if you're a man who's struggling with an intimate relationship, maybe your partner isn't happy and you don't know why, or your sex life sucks, or it's non-existent. Or maybe your partner wants things from you that you don't either understand what she wants. Or you just don't know how to give it like more connection more vulnerability more presence more safety well you need to know about my new elevate your relationship live coaching program for men it's a six-month live coaching experience which means you get to work with me personally specifically for men who are wanting to show up more powerfully be more present practice more skillful communication and create passionate connection with their partners in other words It's for men who simply want greater fulfillment in their relationships and who want that for their partners too. In this live six-month coaching experience, in which indeed you get direct personal coaching support from me, you will learn how to better navigate conflict, to even use your differences and disagreements to not just create more chaos or stagnation, but turn your differences into passionate connection. You'll learn how to create and maintain healthy boundaries and why you must, and you'll learn how to stand in your power in ways that won't just turn her off or against you, but rather draw her towards you. If she wants that, we'll dive into how to be your full authentic self in the relationship, how to create emotional connection, how to practice the sacred art of masculine and feminine intimacy for deeper passion and more. If Elevate Your Relationship sounds like it might be a good fit for you and you'd like to be considered for this, go to my website, slash EYR. It's Brian with a Y, reaves.com forward slash EYR, and fill out the application there. If it does seem like we're a good fit, you'll be invited to schedule a no cost, no pressure phone consultation ASAP to explore. If Elevate Your Relationship is genuinely a good fit for you, again, it's brianreeves.com, brian with a Y, reeves.com slash EYR for Elevate Your Relationship. That's what the EYR is. If you're in a relationship and you're struggling, don't delay. Go to that link and fill out the application. It is your birthright to thrive in relationship, and I am committed to helping you do that if that's what you want for yourself now back to my conversation with connor beaton take a deep breath and stay present with us all the way through to the end of this episode of men this way all right let's dive connor beaton repeat guest on men this way brother it's good to see you after all this time welcome back to men this way man i'm glad to have you
0: thanks man i appreciate you having me on and
1: yeah it's been it's been a hot minute. It's been a very hot minute. So much has happened. I think I think you and I last spoke. Man, it might have been. It's easily three, four years. I think so. You, you. So, man, you've a lot of birth and some death uh, yes. that you've been been immersed in these past few years. I mean, you got a, a new book that just came out, which we'll be talking about today. You've birthed a baby boy. Uh, even your wife is birthing a book today, <laughs> and I also, you know, one of the things I'm also painfully aware of is that you lost your beloved uh, four-legged family member.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, right after, right after my son was born. Yeah, I think uh, six weeks, six weeks after my son was yeah. born, our our we we knew he'd been diagnosed with cancer before uh before my boy was born and then he managed to hang on until our son was born and then he man there for about 6 weeks and then yeah but yes thank you lots yeah. of lots of birth lots of creation it's yeah. good
1: how are you how are you holding up amidst all the life death life that you've been immersed in these days
0: you know it's been i'm very grateful for a lot of the support that I have in my life, a lot of the good men that I have in my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my book launched on January 31st, and I was blown away, man. Like, they, the guys that were in my life really showed up, the guys that I meet with on a weekly basis and promoted the book and helped me mm-hmm. and supported me. And, uh, you know, we've, it's been, it's been really, really good to have those guys in my life because all of us have been having kids and, yeah. you know, shifts in our business and whatnot. But, you know it's been i think the theme that i've heard everybody talking about friends family members clients and just people in general is just the the amount the volume of stuff that most people have mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. you know and so been walking through it with a just a a bag full of gratitude in the one hand and then grief in the other yeah you know and that's been there's been some other family stuff that's been going on. you know, my my mom was uh, diagnosed with uh, stage four cancer mm. after my boy was born. And so that added a complexity to it. I was applying for my green card and couldn't leave the country, so I couldn't mm. even go see her. Mm. So mm. It, you know, it's really mm. I, I say that because I think sometimes, sometimes in these conversations and sometimes in, in podcasts that I listen to, there's a tendency towards like rainbows and sunshine. Yeah. And I think the truth of the matter of most people's lives is never really that simple. There's moments yeah. where it's legit, just yeah. fucking sparkly, but I think, you know, and, and, and clean. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like my car. I cleaned my car off yesterday <laughs> and it was wonderfully clean. Yeah, and then I got, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. in the driveway and then pulled out this morning and it, you know, got all muddy again. And so it, that's- it's, everything. <laughs> downhill the moment it's clean. That's it. That's just it. <laughs> begin, all, the
1: only thing that's happening is it's beginning to get dirty from the moment you get it clean.
0: That's right. <laughs> that's right. So you got to enjoy the dirty, man. You got yeah, to
1: right. find peace with the dirty. Well, it's funny that I was going to ask you, uh, what's a significant lesson that you're personally working through in your life right now? I don't know that that the one you just shared is probably not the one you're really working through. Well, that's, it's a good one. Enjoy the dirty. But what what's like yeah. what's what's a really meaningful lesson that you just personally are really sitting with and working through?
0: I mean, I, I think the biggest one is my my relationship to control. Like I tend to err on the side of wanting to control things. Mm. And I think for I think for a while, maybe I, I I thought that that was like unconsciously that was me being in this leadership position, mm. you know, and mm. and sort of managing things in my life. And the last however many years has just been a process of of releasing that control, mm. and you know, still leading, still making decisions within my business, you know, with my family, um, all, all those types of things, but being much more keenly aware of what and where and who I'm trying to control. Like, I'll mm. give you an example. Mm. My son has been just such a good teacher for this because he's a baby, you know, and they just don't do what the hell you want. They just don't, <laughs> you
1: uh-huh. know, like the last uh-huh.
0: the last six days leading up to my wife's book launch today, he's been brutally sick. And mm. so every, yeah. every night he's up, you know, like he was up last night for three and a half hours. Mm. And... And there's a part of me that gets, you know, sort of wanting to control, like just get better, you know, just Mm -hmm. whatever that is. And there's, there's nothing to do. And so I've really been witnessing this part of me that wants to control my way to success, control my way to intimacy, control my way to, you know, to fulfillment and happiness. And I think that this is what a lot of us do. And, you know, a, a friend and mentor of mine, sort of, verbally and psychologically slapped me upside the head one day when he's like, you know, control is where trust goes to die. Mm. You know, it's, it's where we don't trust, whether it's life, God, our partner, our kids, whatever it is. And so I've really been working on this releasing of the arrogance that I have control over much of anything. Mm -hmm. And man, is that a hard lesson? It's a really, it's been a really hard one for me personally.
1: Yeah. Thank you for that. My, my wife and I are, are, uh, going through a really, really difficult moment. Not, not her and I together, we're, we're solid, but just some news that we got recently is really pummeling us personally. And Hmm. I'm not ready to talk about what that is publicly yet, but, um, it's been really, really hard for us to hold and, and, uh, and carry and I mean, just very recent and, and that, that, you know, we've talked so much about the, the, the the act of surrender, you know, the, the Mm. practice of surrender and, and, and it is, it, it, it goes hand in hand. It requires a trust in a, in a, in a, a story bigger than, than the one that her and I might tell, you know, on our own. It's like, let us get in alignment with the bigger story unfolding rather than trying to impose our story on what we want life to look like because
0: that's just fucking a recipe for suffering. Yeah, I I agree and you know, I think I mean just a lot of the circumstances that I've found myself in the last couple of years and I think that, and I think this is relatable for most people, you know, during the mm-hmm. pandemic it was, you know, yeah. there's a lot of yeah. there was a lot of control exerted and there was a lot of people trying to control and I mean, we don't yeah. need to go down that rabbit hole, but I think many of us when when things aren't going our way or I'll just speak personally for myself, when I, when I find myself not enjoying something, <laughs> and, you know, things aren't going the way that I want them to, there is this part of me that I find that, it, you know, is probably somewhere close to the warrior archetype that wants to get in there and fuck shit up. You know, and it's just like, mm-hmm. I will control this. I'll figure it out. I'll find a way. Yeah. And in some, in some ways that has made me wonderfully successful in my career and it's and it really has served me but learning where to draw the line with that part has been really hard because my tendency is to is to over index on my capacity to control a Mm. given situation and and life has you know served me up some slaps upside the head which has which has really helped me and just letting go. And this notion of surrendering, I think, you know, gets talked a lot about in spiritual communities. And I think in the self-help industry and, but it's brutally hard. You know, I think what most people don't, it's like what most people I think don't talk about is this underestimation of how truly difficult it is to surrender. Because what I have found for myself is that it puts me into contact with powerlessness and mm-hmm. as a man one of the most challenging ex- things for us to experience is to be in a position of powerlessness where yeah, we 100%. where we're not in control yeah. you know and but i've found that that has been really the true test of the men that i've known the men that i respect and admire and want to spend time with is who they are when they're powerless mm-hmm. and i think historically I've not been very good at that, (laughs) you know, Mm. like I'll ignore it, I'll reject it, I'll still try and control the situation. Mm. Um, So I've really been working on that over the last Mm. probably two years Mm. and, uh, and it's getting a hell of a lot better. Yeah. Well, I can relate to everything you're sharing,
1: uh, certainly. And uh, I know we're a bit limited on time today. So I want to dive into men's work. Your book specifically, Men's Work, a practical guide to face your darkness and self-sabotage and find freedom. First off, congratulations, releasing a book is no small
0: task. Awesome. That is a marathon experience, man, so congratulations. (laughs) You know, you know that one well. Thank you. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And it's
1: only out just not even a month, right? I think just end of
0: January. Yeah. January 31st, it came out. Um, yeah, you know, I was a little hesitant to title it men's work because that's sort of an emergent space and there's so many guys doing that work, but I figured. Did you get
1: pushed from a publisher on that?
0: To, to, to name it that or push back yeah. to not name it
1: that? Either one. I'm curious that the dance between artist and manager.
0: No, you know what? I, I published with sounds true and they yeah. really let me run with pretty much Great. everything. It was, okay. it was they were awesome um, yeah, yeah. in many, many ways. And it's one of yeah. the reasons why I signed with them right. was, mm-hmm. you know, I think I wanted to try and create something that would act as a kind of staple for men to do the work, whether, you know, the book gets referred to them by a therapist or a counselor or a coach, or just a guy that, you know, happens to stumble across it on whatever, Amazon or a bookstore. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted it to be something that a guy could... Whether he was just beginning the journey of self-reflection and self-improvement, or he had done 10 years of therapy, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to write something that was going to impact men. And so the the idea of calling it men's work was just, you know, I, I think in many ways, it was just something that was like, this has impacted my life so deeply, mm-hmm. That I can't not call it that, and I in the beginning I preface like there's many different forms of men's work. There's many men out there doing it. I don't own this title Mm -hmm. in any way, shape, or form. Um, But yeah, I felt like it was a good time because I think that there's we're on the precipice of this tidal wave of men's work that seems to be coming more and more and more within our modern culture. You know, especially as culture, society, communities, women, other men say like you got like, guys, like, let's, let's step up here. It's time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're in a growth business. That's a fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And, and, uh, as if I understand correct, I, again, I don't have one in my hands. There's one on the way. I haven't had it in my hands yet, but I think you're only releasing it in, in ebook and hardcover. Uh, there's an audio,
0: there's an audio book as well. And an audio book, but hardcover, yeah. that's a bold choice. Yeah. That, like that, that part was, that part was the, uh, the publishing house mm-hmm. um we we talked about it and I was like well shouldn't we have a paperback that's like more affordable cuz hardcovers mm-hmm. are generally more expensive mm-hmm. and then we talked about it and you know I think I I wanted something that was going to be a standard, you know, like mm-hmm. when you see Jordan Peterson launch his books, not that my book is anywhere near Jordan Peterson's or is going to sell as many copies, but like they're hardcover, mm-hmm. you know, and I think there's a kind of seriousness mm-hmm. and a certain tone that I wanted mm-hmm. to the book to carry, yeah. you know, it's like when you read this book, you're going to have to work. Yeah. And I think there was something about the hardcover like that, that just sort of represented that.
1: That's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. So. I find titles fascinating. I mean, they they reveal, they can reveal certainly, and they should reveal so much about what we think resonates with our audience. Mm. So, face your darkness. That's in your subtitle, right? A practical guide to face your darkness and self-sabotage and find freedom. And self-sabotage, find freedom. Every man is enrolled in that, right? That's a a gimme. Face your darkness. Let's talk about that. Why do you (laughs) think men
0: would be called to face their darkness. So I'm going to sort of talk about this from a, maybe a archetypal standpoint first, a sort of like psychological standpoint, which is that every man at some point in his life is going to feel a calling. And that calling is going to pull him towards a, a confrontation, a challenge. And that challenge or confrontation is always some kind of confrontation or tussle with some form of darkness. Generally speaking, it's his own. It's the darkness that he carries within himself. And, you know, that can be the the grief from his past, from a parent's divorce, from childhood abuse. It can be from his own decisions of infidelity or drug use or whatever it is. But I think that right now my sense within masculine or male culture is that we're all kind of feeling this pull to face and confront some sort of darkness and that when a man is ready to grow, when a man is ready to improve, it requires that he confronts that darkness. It just demands it. There's there's yes. no fucking way around it. It's the unfortunate part of it. And that that's why it's the very first part of it. And the very first part of mm-hmm. the book is about is part 1 is called leading through darkness. And so it's about Mm -hmm. how we as men turn towards our pain, understand Mm -hmm. the shadow of our father um, and and confront some of the masculine tropes. Like, you know, I talk about the myth of male separation and the one rule of men, you know, how how we have as men bought into this notion that so like the one rule of men, for example, is uh, don't talk about what it's like to be a man who's struggling. Just don't do that. Mm. Right. And this, this in itself, and this is very close to fight fight club, right? Like don't just don't talk mm-hmm. about it, right? First rule yeah. we of fight club. This rule in and of itself produces the darkness within us that we actually need to confront. Mm-hmm. and it's very challenging for a lot of men. I think a lot of men know that at some point in their life, this confrontation is coming or this mm-hmm. confrontation is happening or they're in the confrontation. It's like, oh shit, my life is falling apart and I'm having to deal with this stuff that I haven't wanted to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, yeah, so that's that's why that's there. And at the beginning, mm-hmm. I talk about my story, you know, hitting rock bottom and mm-hmm. how because I was so afraid to confront my own demons you know the infidelities the lying the uh the addictive behaviors that i had because i was so afraid to deal with those things they caught up to me and they Mm. really sort of destroyed my life Mm. and i i fundamentally believe that a lot of men do this a lot of men who lack initiation into manhood and a lot of men who who are not living up to what they know they are capable of produce some kind of rock bottom to put them through a kind of Mm pseudo-initiation to kind of force them to go on that journey. So I'll pause there because I said a a number of things.
1: Yeah, you've you've said a lot and I I, I think it's a it's a great, great reflection. Have you seen uh, the TV show, the Netflix show The Sinner? No, I don't think so. Dude, you Uh, have to watch The Sinner specifically season three. Okay. The Sinner season three Three. You don't necessarily have to have watched the first two seasons. I mean, it gives you a little bit of backstory to the detective's, you know, fucked up past and his, his own darkness, <laughs> right? It's yeah. a, a detective who is intimate with his darkness, who who befriends in a way the people he's chasing, the, the criminals, like the and they're, they're complex stories. It's it's all about people's darkness. It's the the sinner, mm-hmm. the sinner. It's the title's the sinner. Season three: two men who can't feel who must constantly face death. Basically what they're doing is, you know, trying to initiate each other ultimately, and and they're doing Mm -hmm. it in incredibly adolescent and destructive and unsafe ways, and increasingly so. And I think, you know, that that title, I, I love a practical guide to face your darkness. I mean, even that much right there, I love that because, you know, as a man, I wanna be challenged. I rise to challenge, right? That's the, the masculine archetype, rises to challenge. Mm-hmm. I think one of the, the great tragedies for, for many of today's men is that we're, or the things that we are challenged by, we're not that interested in really. They don't really mean that much to us. Yeah. Challenged to make more money at my business. Okay. You know, but you do that like, well, so what at some point? Right. And so, uh, you know, face your darkness. There's something in that title, in those words. And again, this, the sinner season three, Connor, you're going to eat that (laughs) shit up. You're going to love it. I'll
0: have to check it out. I mean, I, I I think what's, you know, what's interesting is this isn't just like sort of self-help. Uh, or self improvement stuff that we're talking about. There's actually there's a, a research psychologist. I think he's based out of Scotland, named Dr. John Barry. And I'm trying to get him on my show, and he's done a good amount of research that shows that one of the uh, one of the leading skills, one of the leading values that a man can carry that leads to fulfillment is self-improvement. And that's not necessarily the same for women, but for men, self-improvement is one of the surest ways to move closer towards a deeper sense of fulfillment in life. Mm-hmm. And, and that self-improvement can be many, many different things, right? It could be improving your skills in woodworking or in relationships mm-hmm. or sexually or you know, with money or whatever it is. But it really is one of the fastest ways to quote unquote, feel better about yourself or your life. And so I think this is why we see this huge rise, especially within young men today, going online, trying to find resources, uh, to, to improve in their lives. I think mm-hmm. it's a hugely important thing mm-hmm. and to confront that, you know, that darkness, whatever that darkness yeah. might be. In life. Yeah. Th- this word that,
1: that keeps popping up in my, uh, in the, in the men's circles that I'm leading this word, uh, enlivened to feel enlivened. Mm-hmm. I love that word. Cause I, you know, I sit with like, what are we doing this for? What is this about? where are we going I, I again, I think to that that show the sinner season three specifically I'm gonna say that many times in this interview because I think all men should watch that <laughs> that season it's so incredible uh to de- to de- demonstrating these things that we're talking about and and the drive the hunger to to face our darkness to face death even and what do these men want but, but they think they want ultimate freedom that's what they think they're looking for but why? What does that give them? It gives them enlivenment. It makes them feel so fucking alive. And you know, so this word "enlivened." And I'm curious for you, for you and your experience with working with all the men that you've worked with, and your own personal experience. You know, what do you see begins to happen for men when they do start facing their darkness?
0: I would say that for the most part, what begins to emerge is an unequivocal and almost unquestionable sense of competency within themselves. Like mm. they feel, men feel more competent. Mm. And I would say that that is r- incredibly important. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think when I look back at my youth, I didn't feel confident, competent or confident with much. You know, academically, I was average at best. In sports, I was like maybe a little above average, but not a hell of a lot, you know, depending on the sport and i didn't really feel competent which with much of anything and when you don't feel or know that you are good at much of anything your worth and your value as a man immediately begins to get questioned right why am i here like what the fuck am i doing where am i going all of a sudden all these questions start to emerge and so i think when when men start to do this work of confronting challenging things about their past uh, being able to dig into what's actually happening in the present, whether you know it's it's a a, a marriage that's struggling, you know, maybe it's sexless, um, being able to deal with the anger and the aggression that's coming out in their relationship or the poor finances that they have or the frustration that they have around their business not working well. When a man's able to step into the arena with another man and admit those things, right? Carl Jung said that the first step in the therapeutic process is is confession, oddly enough. Right. So when a man is able to take that step and start to do some of this work, there is something naturally enlivening about it because he can tell I'm grinding my own axe, right? I'm sharpening my own sword psychologically, emotionally, and maybe even physically or spiritually. And there's something deeply meaningful in that because even if the man isn't producing amazing results in his life, right? Even if things aren't like wildly changing immediately, he still knows that he's doing something meaningful for the long term something that is probably going to yield results even if it's a month or a year or a decade down the road so i would i would say that that's one of the big pieces and then second i think in many ways when we begin on this journey we begin to try and make some semblance of what it means to be a man and to connect to the masculine spirit and in a culture where the masculine spirit is very hard to plug into for most men, for a lot of men who have grown up without masculine role models, right? One in four kids will grow up without a father in the household. Uh, Many kids will go through school without a a male teacher, right? Something like 32% of teachers are male within America. Uh, You could go into the therapeutic field, right? Look for a psychologist or a therapist. Very hard to find a man, right? 29% of psychologists and therapists are male right? So very low percentage. So the amount of male energy that most young men will have been around is quite small. So when we actually start to do some of this work, what we're saying is I'm going to turn towards and maybe first admit that I actually haven't really had a good connection with masculine energy, with the masculine source. or or however you want to label that, right? Like whatever words fit your, your, your framework. But I'm going to turn towards trying to figure out what is it like to be in relationship with my own masculine essence, with my own masculinity, with what it means to be a man and start, On this journey of defining what some of those things might look like or feel like and get around other men who are doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, again, that's naturally enlivening because for a lot of guys in our modern culture, they feel whatever you want to say, depressed, disconnected, isolated, alone, bored, checked out, numb. Largely because they're surrounded by men who feel the exact same fucking way, Mm -hmm. right? So there's no connection to this, to a a masculine essence or masculine source that has depth within it. So those, those would be the two things that I would say. Yeah. When I began on my,
1: I don't know, I guess this phase, maybe 10 years ago, I was in my late 30s. You know, I, I really began in earnest looking at myself and my life and like, what the fuck am I getting wrong? What am I, what am I missing? Hmm. And the first thing that, that was so evident to me that I believed was I need to heal my relationship to the feminine, clearly to women, to feminine energy, because look at my past, look at the, the, the detritus of relationships, you know, the destruction in the, the in my wake, Yep, got to heal my energy my my relationship to the feminine, but what what that was kind of obvious, no brainer, but what really shocked me was very early in that it was through this book called Women Who Roam with the Wolves. I I I went to that book thinking that would help me heal my relationship to the feminine and what blew up in my face was how disconnected and disoriented I was around my, my own masculine mm-hmm. and energy essence being whatever I, that was a revelation for me. Yeah. Um so, you know, that and and also like you say uh, competence. I think I'm I'm a, I'm an owner of a house now. I never really wanted a house cuz I was too much in my adventurous stage and now I have a house and and it's so much fun. I bought a leaf blower a couple <laughs> months ago. I was so excited. Connor, to own a leaf blower. Like, who am I? Who is this person? And and feeling my competence around the home, of which I have a big learning curve for so many things. Just just pouring vinegar down the, the, the tubes of my air conditioning unit. Like, that's, nice. you have to go into the hot attic. And I feel so, it's so enlivening. It's fun. <laughs> it's like I'm competent. I learned something.
0: So It's true. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Well, you know, I think, like, uh, the first line of my book is, A man's work begins in pain. And I Mm -hmm. think one of the things that a lot of men underestimate is the pain that lives within us from an absence of masculine connection. I was the same way, right? I didn't have growing up, and I wrote about this, but growing up, you know, my father left when I was three, he got divorced. You know, I saw him once or twice a month. And it was, it just wasn't enough for me as a boy, you know, it just, it just wasn't because everybody wants to be around his father, wants that sort of nourishment and connection. And, and, and what I got in his stead was a male presence that was uh, not grounded whatsoever and was Mm -hmm. often verbally, emotionally, and sometimes physically abusive. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up around this you know the the notion that unconsciously right it wasn't a conscious thought of like oh the you know masculinity is dangerous mm. it was just mm-hmm. more i don't trust men yeah. you know and not yeah. only do i not trust men i don't trust myself as a man yeah percent and so you know a lot of the behavior of womanizing and you know everything else that would sort of unfold in my life was this byproduct of i had a bad relationship with my own masculine core my own masculine essence. And I think this is the case for for many of us when we actually look at the problems that most men are facing. It's not that their masculinity is toxic. It's actually just that they're just disconnected from their masculinity altogether. And so there's kind of this pseudo hodgepodge of, of presenting, you know, masculinity in, in a way that, That is, is, is false, right? It's an, it's an attempt in many ways. And so I think most men know the feminine in our culture much more or are much more familiar with it and comfortable with it than they are with the masculine. Mm. And it's a hard thing to admit as a man you know, mm-hmm. especially as like, like for me, as a dude grew up playing hockey in Northern Alberta, you know, mm-hmm. outside minus 20, you know, I thought it was hard. You know, mm-hmm. I thought it was tough mm-hmm. getting into bar fights and that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. And what I, to, so to admit in my early thirties, like, Oh, actually I don't really have much of a connection to masculinity mm-hmm. in its true form. and essence, that's, that's a hard thing to do.
1: Yeah. Now, one of the one of the bullets that I was really um, curious about uh, from your publicist um, was the importance that you stand for around destigmatizing inner work, this, this term inner work, by reframing it as psychological warrior training. Now, granted, psychological warrior training Boner immediately, like it's pretty. You know, it's it's like okay, it, it's a mouthful, but it's also like okay, it speaks to something inside of me. I get it. Boners, boners are mouthfuls. generally yeah. <laughs>
0: you know, Personally we just, speaking, we just went straight yeah. unprofessional. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we went. We dipped into the adolescent realm. Which hey, let 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 us boys be boys sometimes. Yeah, but why do you think inner work is a stigma amongst men? Hmm why does that need to be reframed
0: yeah so so in in the book i talk about the myth of male separation and it's simply that the this notion that you are more manly you are stronger if you are able to separate from the things that will make you seem weak or make you be perceived as weak as a man so in most of our masculine culture suppression equals strength the more i can push down my sadness the more i can disconnect from my grief the more i can numb out my heartbreak or my disappointment or you know the hate that i have for my job or whatever it is the stronger and i am as a man that that for the most part is baked into mm. modern culture and and specifically within male culture mm. and so because of that this notion that that suppression equals strength inner work is counterintuitive, mm-hmm. right? It's sort of this opposing force. Well, if I go inside, then it admits, then I have to admit that I was suppressing something, mm. right? It, ha- it means that I have to break the rule. It means that I have to talk about how I'm struggling, how I'm suffering, how I'm not okay. And in our modern culture, we have mistaken stoicism to mean uh, always good all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. We, that's how we translated stoicism is just ignore what you're feeling. And this is how a lot of people have, have sort of taken that. So I wanted to combat that by just saying, you know, inner work is the way that, that pretty much all men historically, mythologically, anthropologically have found their way to greatness, to grounding, to being a solid man, whether that's you're a solid husband, human being, you know, community leader, et cetera, I mean, look at somebody like Marcus Aurelius, right? Sure, he did some amazing things externally, right? He led wars. he you know, he did all these amazing things. And if you read his biology, he's really an incredible human being. What's he known for? his his inner path. Mm-hmm. So men who are able to fight through the notion, that they're somehow going to be weaker or perceived as less than for doing inner work, will come out the other side realizing that a self-reflective man actually has a much higher status in our modern culture and is actually much a, a much greater mate preference for women. Like what do women really want? There's a lot of talk about this online. It's like, oh, women want men with status. Women want men with resources. Guess what's a fucking resource? Your consciousness is a resource. Mm -hmm. The quality of the men that you surround yourself with is a resource. Your ability to stay grounded and regulated is a resource. And so if you can accumulate those resources, you suddenly are a much more viable match than most of the other men out Mm -hmm. there. Because you have an energetic pull to you that other men aren't tapped into at all. They might drive up in the BMW or the Porsche or whatever, but there will be something unequivocally drawing about you that women will want to find out or figure out. So that's not to make the case to say go do inner work for women. I'm simply saying that the byproduct, one of the benefits of doing the inner work is that you do become more appealing to women. And uh, and you have a higher status in many ways because of this work, because you naturally have a, a deeper level of emotional intelligence and et cetera. So, yeah. Hopefully, I I answered that that question. No, that's a that's a great answer. I mean,
1: man, again, there's just there's, uh, You know what I love about our conversations, Connor, is there's there's rabbit holes everywhere we could yeah. dive <laughs> down and just geek out on and nerd out on, just and just go and yeah. you know. So I'm I'm gonna I'm just. I'm going to swallow some of my words. We're not returning to the boner metaphor because we, we, we let's let that say, <laughs> yeah, we're going to leave it alone, everybody. You hear me? Um, but I, I'm going we'll, we'll to leave
0: gonna it for their <laughs> we'll leave it for their brains. They'll, they can take that wherever they want,
1: wherever they want to take it. But because, yeah. uh, again, I know I'm just in the interest of time. There's a few of the things I want to explore with you. Uh, uh, one, one of the common things that I hear from men, probably the most common refrain that I hear from men when they start doing men's work is it's not like all of a sudden they get big problems solved. When they, when they come into, and when, I, when I say men's work, I guess in this context, I mean, when they start having real conversations with other men, particularly, let's just mm-hmm. end it that simple. They're just so relieved to know they're not alone. Like, oh yep. my God, it feels so good to know. I'm not alone. Like that right there is like that alone. Men men, men feel like they've gotten their money's worth. Whatever they paid, they've gotten their money's worth when they have that moment, that epiphany. I'm curious your experience. What are some of the the significant things that you hear from men, including if that one, when they really first, you know, all
0: in step into to, to men's work? A few things. Uh, I just want to say first, you know, one of the things that I wrote about was isolation. And this notion that we as men are on an island, you know, that we're alone. And isolation makes us as men impotent. It, it really does. It castrates us in our ability to connect to the shit that matters most, to, to contribute to the things that we really want to contribute to, to be in relationship with the people and the things we want to be in relationship with. But it's it's the thing that most of us turn to. It's the thing that I still feel the, the pull towards whenever. You know, I feel overwhelmed or frustrated or pissed off or, you know, that controlling part that we we're talking about in the beginning pops up. It's like my tendency to isolate shows up immediately. And I, th- I think it's the case for many men, for the majority of men, is that their, their tendency when things aren't going right in their life or they're struggling in some ways, it's isolation. And isolation not only makes us impotent, but it amplifies our internal state. So if you're a man who's struggling with depression and you start to isolate, guess what? Amplifies the depression. If you're struggling with porn addiction, if you're struggling with infidelity in your relationship, if you're struggling with a gambling problem or you, you, know, you hate your work or whatever it is that you're struggling with, when you isolate, that part of you becomes amplified your anxiety goes up, your anger goes up. So it amplifies your internal state. So we, as men have to start to rebel against this uh, pull towards isolating ourselves. It's it's this misconception that you have to go do the work. Yes, you have to go do the work. And that is your journey to figure out what's happening within you and your life, but you can do it alongside good men. So, but to answer your question more directly, what do men get? Outside,
1: well, well, what what do you hear them say? Like, what are the what's the feedback that you get when men start doing this work? What do you see coming alive in them quickly?
0: Yeah, I mean, a a big one is acceptance, mm-hmm. and and acceptance is is a bit analogous and vague for the majority of us. You know, how do I accept what my dad did to me? How do I accept Mm. what my mom said to me? How do I accept that my wife just walked into the fucking kitchen one day and said it was over, Mm. right? How do I accept that my child Mm. died or my... Friend was, you know, killed in a car accident or whatever it is, yeah. right? Acceptance is 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 a brutal task to take on sometimes, mm. and so when we can start to do this work, we start to accept some of the things that have happened that we have been carrying around mm. like a hundred pound rucksack on our back. Mm-hmm. So that's one big one, and the yeah. second one that I think is is uh, really under indexed is forgiveness. Mm. Men start to find, and. And they're able to define what forgiveness actually looks like in their life. And here's the real kicker. They start to figure out how to forgive themselves. Mm -hmm. Most men are carrying around such a deep hatred for something that they've done in their lives or who they've become that they don't know how to forgive themselves. And so I think a byproduct of this work, what I hear a lot of men saying is, oh, I've, I've figured out how to forgive myself for that past indiscretion. I figured out how to forgive my father. I figured out how to forgive my mom. I figured out how to forgive my ex-wife or whoever it is that they had been at odds with. They've, they finally are able to live from a place of forgiveness and it frees up suddenly an amount of energy and time and resources and love and all these other things. Mm-hmm. So I think those are a couple of the, the sort of big pieces. I also hear them saying, That the quality of their relationships dramatically improves, that they just feel closer to the people around them. And I think that that's, I mean, that's just, it's so important, you know, it's so important. Yeah, it's pretty amazing how, how quickly...
1: You know, when you said uh, acceptance, you know, the words let it, let go popped into my my, my brain because I, how can I let go if I haven't accepted what is? And I think it's, I'm in resistance and I see so many men that have, that have I mean, men in there, I'm working, it's interesting, I, I seem to be drawing a lot of men these days in their late 40s, 50s, even 60s, mm-hmm. which is a 48 year old man working with men in their, their mid 60s is often a bit odd for me because like these are these are my elders, but, but these are men who, who just didn't start start doing this work for a long time. And I mean, they're, they're no different from me and what I grew up with. i just got Mm -hmm. at it earlier than they did. And, and, but what happens so quickly, like you said, the conversation, the ripple effect, we haven't even barely begun to do the work yet. You know, we're Mm -hmm. just creating safe containers of men having real conversations. And all of a sudden within a few weeks, they're starting to initiate conversations with their spouses that they, that they've been needing to have for decades, through no prompting of, of anyone in our, in our, in our groups, like they just, they just something clicks. Mm-hmm. It's really fascinating how quickly things can begin to shift. Not that there isn't a lot of work to come and a long journey ahead, mm-hmm. right? But there is magic in this work. And, and again, I know we're coming up on time here, and Again, there's so many more subjects, Connor. <laughs> that that you know, e- even as I said, I, I haven't gotten the book in my hands yet. But you know, I've known you for many years and what you've been up to. And the uh, same, I've been doing. I've really stepped into to to, to leading men's work uh, myself in these past few years, and have my own men's groups. I'm I'm immersed in it. So I know we could talk for hours about this, man. And and but you've just written uh, what I've no doubt is is a deep and profound book on men's work. Um, and again, we got a couple minutes. I can't <laughs> ask you the things, some of the other questions I want to ask you, but let me, let me ask you this. We'll, we'll, we'll finish with this because I like to, I like to, to, to make it practical and and talk about practices too. I, I would imagine in the book, you offer practices, things that men can, can take. What, what's a practice? What's one of your favorite practices? Let's say a man just coming into men's work, just beginning these conversations? Like, I don't know, what's what's some practice that you could offer our listeners that they could take with them?
0: Yeah, well, I, w- I will say that every chapter has questions that men can journal about and then practical Great. exercises for them to do to integrate every single chapter. Great. That I did want to make it practical and tactical. I think <sighs> one practice um, that every man should do is the one that he doesn't want to. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So whether that's journaling, whether that's meditation, whether that's the cold shower, mm-hmm. whether that's breath work, it is choosing the one that you don't wanna do, right? Yoga, et cetera. For me, it's journaling. I, I think that journaling is, you know, it's talked about a lot, whether you do stream of consciousness journaling or gratitude journaling, and I'll, I'll give you something very specific for the men that are out there. Cause I I hear this all the time from guys, like, I don't like myself. That's just a very common thing that I hear from men. My inner dialogue, my inner critic is vicious and violent and you know, self-abusive. And the way that I talk to myself is just brutal. How do I deal with that? So I'll give something very specific. The first thing that I would say is ask yourself the question, who does my inner critic sound like? So you might want to write down some of the things that your inner critic says, some of the things that judges you for, criticizes you for, and then look at those things. Read them out loud and ask yourself, who does my inner critic sound like? The truth is that every man's inner critic has an origin story. And for the most part, that origin story of that inner critic is connected to somebody in your life, somebody in your past. So that's number one. Uh, Number two is what boundaries do I need to set with my inner dialogue, right? Because we need to be able to confront that part of us, not just let it run wild. Number three is what is this inner critic trying to teach me? And then finally, number four is gratitude practice. I'm going to give you a three-part gratitude practice that radically changed my life. I did it for eight months straight every single day. I stuck to it and, and it made a huge difference. So so the first part is what I'm grateful for today is this is important because and the way it makes me feel is. So what I'm grateful for today is this is important because and the way it makes me feel is. So gratitude the rational part of it, we need to check off why it's mm-hmm. rationally important mm-hmm. and then how it makes me feel. We need to have emotional weight mm-hmm. to it. If mm-hmm. we just say, I'm grateful for my kids and blah, 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 there's yeah. no logical uh, ingraining and there's mm-hmm. no emotional underpinning. And you have to have those two components in order to have All right. really meaningful gratitude. All right. It doesn't get into the body
1: if I'm not connecting to the feelings right. around it. It just lives as an abstract concept and that's fine. But, but boy, lots missing in that. So... Yeah. uh connor where can people find the book and learn more about what you're up to
0: thank you sir i appreciate that and we can maybe maybe we should have a longer form conversation about men's work that lives on both of our shows in the future I would love that. um you can go to mantalks.com forward slash book Uh, Or if you just go to mantalks.com, there's a little tab there that says my book and you can click on that and it's available on Amazon. It's available anywhere that books are sold. Uh, It's on audible. So you can listen to it. I would recommend listening to it at 1.2 speed because I maybe read it a little bit slow, (laughs) Uh, but yes, you can find it in all those places.
1: Connor, again, congratulations, brother. Always uh, an honor to have you on men this way. Thanks for coming on, man. And best, best of luck with the book and sales and uh, I'm rooting for you, man. Always. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to my friend, Connor Beaton. You can find Connor and his new book, Men's Work, A Practical Guide to Face Your Darkness, End Self-Sabotage, and Find Freedom at www.mantalks.com. Of course, that link and any additional resources will be in the show notes at brianreeves.com slash This Way and a reminder if you're wanting or needing support to elevate your intimate relationship because you're struggling with something about it and you're ready to get powerful coaching support, work with me. Go to BrianReeves.com. It's Brian with a Y, slash EYR, and fill out the application now finally please do consider leaving a review of this podcast on your podcast app doing so helps the show immensely and don't forget to subscribe yourself while you're at it i'm your thriving life and relationship coach brian reeves brian with a y reeves until soon keep your head up your breath relaxed and your thoughts inspired